Going. It is Tuesday, January 16th. Welcome to the Scotiabank Saddledome and welcome to this hour of Flames Talk with uh, Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. It's Pat Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Vix. Patrick, how are we doing today, buddy? Doing well, doing well. Good, I need good. to turn, turn, turn you up a little bit. I know that much. Um, now, now we'll say that again. You were whispering the first time. Well, I mean, that's I'm favorite. doing great. I'm That's doing even better, better now that the people can hear me. They um, might be doing worse, but I'm doing better. I'm doing better now that I can hear you better as well. Uh, text line open at 960-960 if you want to be a part of the program. As uh, If you're listening live as we're underway. And got some news on Tuesday morning ahead of this game against the Arizona Coyotes on Jacob Markstrom. The uh, news release came out that Dustin Wolf has been recalled and Jacob Markstrom is day-to-day with a lower body injury. Wolf, it's been a rough year for Calgary's number one when you think about it. Uh, he's had to miss time now with three different injuries, two minor ones, and then the one that kept him out two weeks, the fractured finger. On top of that, he had to miss that game last minute with illness uh, a number of weeks ago. So a lot of... um. A lot of bad breaks for uh, Jacob Markstrom so far this year. Now, this one is not overly serious. In fact, just checking in with a few different people. Team is really erring on the side of being overcautious here and really making sure that um, they're just treating this as delicately as possible. Um, I don't think that you would classify this as anything other than day-to-day, and I think this is, uh, from what I understand, this is truly a day-to-day thing with Jacob Markstrom. So he's not going to be able to play Tuesday night, maybe not be able to play Thursday against Toronto. We'll see, but this is not a, a long-term thing. Um, so really erring on the side of caution, and in this case, I think over-caution. This was head coach Ryan Huska when he talked about it with us uh, in his news conference on Tuesday morning. No timetable. We're not expecting it to be anything long term. So, but no timetable. Yeah, he just didn't uh, respond the way you know we or he would have hoped yesterday. So that was Ryan in the news conference Tuesday morning, and then about uh, five minutes later, uh, in here in the hot stove lounge, uh, spoke with uh, Mick and Derek and I, and uh, I recorded the coaches show with him for our pregame show. And here's what he had to say on the coaches show about Jacob Markstrom's situation. Yesterday, you know, we felt he would be really good to go, and he just didn't respond as we had hoped over the course of the day and early this morning. So it's not a situation where we feel like we have to force him into playing games if he's not 100%. So we have um, two other really good goaltenders in the organization that make us comfortable not having to push your starter into, into work when he probably isn't 100%. So there's a little bit from the head coach on Jacob Markstrom's situation. And, you know, I think what we're seeing here more than anything else is a regime that is more um, cognizant of Jacob's energy levels, Jacob's rest levels, and the the proper way to manage Jacob than any other regime in the past. Craig Conroy and that hockey op staff, Ryan Huska and that coaching staff – 
they know how important he is to their success. They know how well he's playing. They also know how important it is to manage him. And the numbers are, are very clear that when arrested Markstrom plays the optimal amount of games, his numbers are way up here. When he starts to get a little overtaxed, the numbers drop, which you know then brings you to the threshold, Vix, of well, what's better, playing a suboptimal Jacob Markstrom when the numbers drop or going to your backup and letting Jacob get the optimal rest so this regime more than any that we've seen seems really committed to managing those things not letting Jacob play through even minor nicks and and bruises and stuff like that and really making sure that they're getting the best energy levels out of him and and managing him properly and and I think that's what we're talking about here another example of that and as, as Ryan said in that second clip like don't need to push this guy when he's not at 100%. Let him rest. Get him off the ice. We saw him leave practice on, on Monday and didn't really think anything of it, especially when Ryan told us that it was a maintenance thing and just basically that Jacob got what he needed and, and wanted to rest. And then apparently as the day went along, maybe didn't respond to, to something the way that the team or the player wanted. So don't push it. No reason to push it. You've got Vladar. You've got Wolf. You're comfortable with both. It'll be Vladar starting against the Coyotes. This is the right way to handle things. Yeah, this feels almost like a little bit of the extension of load management where you're right when Jacob Markstrom is rested and healthy, his numbers are through the roof. And when he starts to become fatigued or he's got something nagging, they tend to drop. So I almost equate this as a little bit of load management because as you mentioned, Monday in practice, he came off the ice and it wasn't a uh, cause for alarm. There were no bells ringing. There was no nothing. It was just, oh, look at the schedule the Flames have coming up. They play every second day for the next two weeks outside of a two-game gap between Saturday's game and Tuesday's game next week. So it's all about maintaining the workload and how much do you really need Jacob Markstrom out there on a non-game day, so on and so forth. Turns out, lo and behold, there is a little bit of a nagging lower body injury. And so, that again, that speaks to... If he's not feeling right, get him off the ice, get him not in games, get him some rest instead. And this is part of the luxury of feeling like you're a deep organization in net as well, where you're afforded the exactly. opportunity to do that when you have Dan Vladar behind him, when you have Dustin Wolf, the two-time, maybe potentially three-time AHL goal of the year, depending on how the, the season shakes out with the uh, Calgary Wranglers. As much as you want Jacob Markstrom between the pipes and how good he's been, especially of late since returning from his latest injury, a fractured finger sustained in practice on December 4th with numbers like a 202 goals against and a 936 save percentage, it's better to make sure that he can be that guy day in, day out with the rest and with the maybe a nagging injury management as opposed to just trying to run him through the next six games and see where you end up. Jacob Markstrom's a better goalie when he's rested and healthy than he is battling something, whether that's fatigue or, or a minor injury. Well, and, and I think it's it's important that the organization is doing this. He's not getting any younger. He's I'm not suggesting he's old or, or by any stretch, but as, as I understand it, you only get older. So, <laughs> so the science checks out on that, by the way. I, I, as far as I know... Um, and so I just I think it's important to really take that approach. And when the numbers are so glaring, this is one of the things that I um, I've I've been very interested in over the last number of years is 
at what? Because you, you could take a look at the schedule, right? Take a look at the six-game homestand that starts right. on Tuesday night against Arizona. You could easily make the argument that Jacob could start all six games if, if he was 100% right. healthy. But I don't think they should start him in all six games. I don't care how important the, the standings are right now. You have, you've got Jacob Markstrom at a high level when he plays at, at a, a certain amount and when his energy levels are at a certain amount and his rest levels at a certain amount. And he plays worse when you don't get that. So if he plays four out of six and gives you and, and you get 100% energy levels in those four, as opposed to him playing 6%, and you only get 85, 90% energy levels, what's better? Well, to me, the former's better all day long. As, as tempting as it is to say it should be Jacob here because this game's big and you need to beat this team, so this game's big, I think you, you really do have to go out of your way to... It's not so much fine spots for Dan Vladar as much as it is fine spots for Jacob not to play. Yes. And when you're comfortable with Dan and you're comfortable in this case with Wolf as well, I, I think it's super important to, to continue doing that. Obviously, if you get into to late March and you're fighting tooth and nail, I, the, the story changes. But in mid-January, I don't think it has to. Well, and you're trying to set Jacob Marstrom up now that if you do have to run him out eight or nine straight in March and April to make yeah. the fish, he's gotten an adequate enough rest, and he's physically at 100%. No player will be at 100% at that point in time, but as close to 100% as he can be. So he's able to take on that workload. That's why the load management in January and February are so important. And to your point of, well, you can look at the schedule, and it's a six-game homestand, and you could realistically run a healthy Jacob Marsh remote all six games. You have the all-star break. You have the four-day break, then the all-star break on the other half of that to rest and recuperate. But at the same time, if you're looking at the back half of that homestand next week, and you're at an 80% Jacob Markstrom. Well, if you can just find spots here to get him back up closer to 100, you're going to be all the better for it. Now, fortunately or unfortunately, mostly some would lean probably unfortunately, he's not available. They are shelving him to rest him up to deal with this lower body injury, so you can't run him out all six games. Yep. But I just understand the hypothetical of, look at how the schedule aligns. You could go Marshall, Marshall, Marshall each week times two, and away you go. Now, he's going to, as you And then you, you can then you consider yourself, well, then you get the all-star break, then you'll get the rest. I just, I, I think some of the familiar habits that right. this organization has fallen into when it comes to goaltender management, they need to actively do things a little bit differently. And, and I think this is part of it. I think what we saw on that four-game road trip was part of it, like, Jacob played two and Dan played two. And I know there were a lot of people surprised when, when Vladar came out for the Nashville yes. game. But that was 100% about what we're talking about. And I think there's a, a good chunk of this that, that is part of that as well. Because you know Jacob, if he got the choice, <laughs> would be playing. And, and would be playing through a minor lower body injury. And he doesn't. he's not worried about energy levels because he wants to go every single night. It's got to be from above. And it's got to be the people who actually dictate playing time who make these decisions and and you know don't allow Jacob to at times be his own worst enemy it's 100 percent true because Jacob Marstrom would play 60 minutes of 82 games if it was up to him it's funny that you mentioned that because I was having a conversation with him a couple weeks ago and I was actually just talking to him about his high danger save percentage and things of that sort and I was like what what made you want to be like is it your compete level that makes you want to be a goalie because you you face the best shooters that you're on the line you're the starting pitcher you're the quarterback back he goes 
No, I wanted to play goal because you're on the ice for 60 minutes. I didn't want to have to only play every third or fourth shift. I like so that. So it's 100% Jacob Markstrom's attitude that if it's up to him, he's going. So you have to almost stop him from himself, monitor his energy levels, monitor the, the nagging things that will happen over the course of an 82-game schedule, and make sure you're doing what's best for Jacob Markstrom because it may sound weird, but Jacob Markstrom probably – isn't because he wants to be out there every single practice, every single game. Yep. That's just the nature of who he is. Well, and again, I don't think they're faking an injury here either. I think no. that they, I think he did uh, tweak something or has been uh, since the the game on Saturday. I think there's been something that, that might be not quite right. So he practiced on Monday, left, didn't respond the way that they, they wanted it to. And so instead of letting him play through it, which he probably could, Instead, they're going to hold him out here for a couple of games, which I think is is the the right way of playing this. So, um, and and really, the only drawback to Jacob's season so far has been the fact that he has missed some time. Um, this is what the third recall for Dustin Wolf um, that he's been on. He got into games in both of the the last two recalls, and and who knows? I, I think there's a chance that if Dan doesn't play well against Arizona Tuesday night that that we there's a chance to see Dustin Wolf play Thursday against Toronto we'll see but this is the third time that uh, they've had to go the Dustin Wolf route, and they've also had to go the e-bug route for the one game as well. That's been the only yep. drawback to, to Jacob's season so far. Yeah, just to quickly run through it, missed two games from November 10th to 14th because of a lower body injury. He missed the one game November 27th because of a- uh, illness, pardon me. So that one doesn't really count in the grand scheme of what we're talking about, but I'll note it anyways. And then, of course, in December, he missed seven with a fractured finger sustained in practice, which is... He was, he was battling in practice. That's the competitiveness of Jacob Markstrom. He, he tried was trying to, to make, make a save. diving save without his, or, or with the backside of his blocker. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes you got to kind of hold a guy back to save him from himself to a certain degree. And, and you're right. The only downside you can really find in Jacob Markstrom's season this year, a hell of a rebound year after last season, is the fact that he's missed pockets of games here and there yeah. because of injury. Um, and, and here's the thing. I think there's a different conversation if the Flames don't feel organizationally confident in the two other guys right. that they've got right now in Dan Vladar and, and Dustin Wolf. And, um, you know, they've, when the opportunity has been there to get Wolf games, they haven't hesitated. And I know they haven't made room for Wolf full time on the roster yet, but when the door has been opened because of these injuries that, that Jacob has sustained, They've also made sure to give that reward for right. Dustin, who you just said it. He might be on, on track for a third straight goaltender of the year in the American League with the numbers that he's posted with the Wranglers. He's an all-star. He's, he's an all-star again, and he also is right up there in every important category, save percentage, shutouts, so on and so forth. He wins. like He's just having another stupid good season in the American League, so he could very well be the three-time AHL <laughs> goalie of the year. Hell, that could happen even if he finishes the year in the NHL. He's been so good there this year. Yeah, you're not wrong. He's sitting at a 2.27 goals against a 9.29 save percentage with four shutouts in 23 games played. Like, he's he's what you expect he'd be at that yeah. level. Um, he's wrapped the game. He's wrapped the game at the American Hockey League level. And you're right, the Flames haven't necessarily made a spot for him at the NHL level just yet. I imagine that'll come at some point. But they also haven't been shy to use him when they've needed him at the NHL level. It's not like he's rode the pine every single time he's come up and it's been a full slate of Dan Vladar 
the team's more than comfortable using both of those goalies in the absence of Jacob Markstrom. A couple of texts at 960-960. Uh, Benjamin Button's listening, apparently. <laughs> says, uh, Pat, I don't get older, I only get younger. Um, so apparently Benjamin Button is one of our Flames Talk listeners. Um, and this, uh, do you think there's any consideration to Markstrom being traded? I continue to see these rumors. Well, the rumors are only coming out of speculation spots. They're not coming out of the mouth or fingers of Elliot Friedman or Frank Saravalli or Darren Drager. Like, you're not hearing the prominent newsbreakers talk about Jacob Markstrom being a guy that is likely to be traded. In fact, Elliot threw cold water all over right. that on Saturday headlines on, on over the weekend. And, and not to say that there's no chance that it couldn't happen, more just – Guys, this is not something the Flames are chasing right now. This is not something the Flames are are interested in pursuing unless a team comes to them and it's such a good offer that they have to consider it and thus have to take it to Jacob. They don't want to rock the boat with the way Markstrom's playing right now, and, and understandably so. I mean, he's been their MVP to this point in the season, and to take him permanently out of the lineup, I think that spells significant doom for the playoff chances and aspirations of the Calgary Flames. Now, we don't know what a full load for Dustin Wolf would look like or Dan Vladar would look like, and maybe they can bridge some of that gap. But to me, Jacob Markstrom has been a top-five goalie in the NHL this season. He's been the Flames' MVP, and I just, even going back to some of the earlier times in the season where they struggled, he was really the anchor of the team in terms of keeping them competitive in games. I just don't think, where, wherever you are on Team Tank versus... Um, a slight retool versus go with what you've got. He is still an absolute key figure on the ice and equally as important in my mind, off the ice and setting yeah. the tone for the Flames. So Dan Vladar gets the start against Arizona, and here comes Dustin Wolf to back him up. We're underway this hour on Flames Talk. Vickers and Steinberg from the hot stove lounge to the Dome. Um, and boy, anytime something like this happens, it sure does just douse the get Wolf into the lineup, get Wolf onto the roster conversation, douses it in in gasoline or jet fuel because immediately in my mentions, I hope it's Wolf starting. And as soon as I tweeted out after optional morning skate on Tuesday that Dan Vladar is getting the start, ah, it should be Wolf. They, They should put Wolf in there. I get it. I understand the excitement around Dustin. I understand the um, how important he looks to be for this team's future long term and what he could be for this organization for the next decade, decade plus. I fully understand it. And, and the questions will continue to rightfully be asked. How do they get him onto the roster? How do they make room for him? All those types of things. But, yeah, I mean, can we... I guess my my refrain all along has been the Flames have done a nice job here of being patient when it probably isn't easy to be patient. We had Craig Conroy in last week, Wes and I, um, and, and Craig stopped in here ahead of the Ottawa game for a first-half review. And one of the things that he said is, you know, you'd like as as, – because I asked him – What's different as a GM in the big plush chair as opposed to the, the less plush chair as an GM? If that's <laughs> it's certainly really... not a steel folding chair. but No, I think it's still a pretty nice chair. Um, but uh, basically, what, what's different? Now that you're in the big chair, what's different? And, and one of the things that he said was, you know, now that you're the one firmly in charge of making these decisions and the final call rests with you, you want some things to happen quicker, and it's tough to be patient. It's, it's tough to wait things out. And so 
it's been difficult for him, I think, to be patient, but he's done a nice job in sticking with the process and not rushing things. And that's the same way they've dealt with Dan Vladar. And I know that it means that Dustin Wolf is spending more time in the American League than he would like, more time in the American League than a lot of fans would like, and hell, probably more time in the American League than the goaltending department and the organization would like. But it is a necessary part of the process. And being patient for everybody, I think, is going to pay off way more long-term than trying to rush something. So they're, they're not... They haven't quit on the quest of finding room for Dustin Wolf. That's why when opportunities have presented themselves to get him into game action, they've pounced and allowed it to happen. But rushing it and just doing it for the sake of it, in my mind, still is is not the way to be going about your business. Yeah, I can't disagree, but even if you look at things, he's played in five games and has started four. So let's just call it for a simple math that we're halfway through the season, even though I know we're slightly on the other half. He's on pace for 10 games. That's 10%, which do you want it to be 20% by the time the season's over? Potentially, but I think a lot of that would have hinged on remember, where the Calgary Flames are in the standings. Remember in the offseason when we were talking oh, about yeah. this, and it was like, could you find a way to get Dustin spot ten games? Spots. Well, it's kind of that's the way it's yeah. kind of gone, right? And not not in the exact way that maybe you would like, but when the opportunities have arose, he's been there, and they haven't hesitated. Yeah, absolutely, and it's come. And I understand the decision whether it's. Tuesday against the Arizona Coyotes or moving forward with the schedule depending on when Jacob Markstrom's out. I have no problem with going with Dan Vladar as your number one, as your de facto, okay, Jacob Markstrom's out, who gets the next game? It's Dan Vladar. I don't necessarily think you put that in stone. You don't etch it. You see how Dan Vladar responds to the challenge because you do have Dustin Wolf back there, and I'm sure you mentioned it. You hear the howls anytime Dustin Wolf hits the sheet of ice as a member of the Calgary Flames as opposed to a member of the Calgary Wranglers. But I do understand going Vladar first and then Wolf, but just knowing and understanding the fact that that's a short leash and that can flip in a hurry. But you go Dan first, and then you go Dustin second, in my mind. Well, and and I don't have a problem with that either. Dan's been the guy who has been at the NHL level um, all year. Yes. And, and he's next in line. And that's why every time Jacob has had to miss a stretch of time, the first guy to get the start is Dan Vladar, as it should be. That's why they went out and targeted him. That targeted him. That's why he's the backup goalie right now. And so he gets the, the first right of refusal, if you want to put it that way. And and then you go from there and evaluate after that. The same way they will after this game against Arizona, they'll evaluate for Thursday's game against Toronto. If Jacob's not good to go, and they probably hold him out for at least another game uh, mm-hmm. against the Maple Leafs. So if Jacob's not good to go against the Maple Leafs on Thursday, well then I absolutely believe that they'll evaluate and see you know, how did Vladar play against Arizona? If he was good and and they won the game, you go right back to Dan. And if maybe it was meh, uh, maybe you do think about going to Dustin Wolf. So um, I think that's absolutely the same way they're going to uh, handle things as they've handled things at other times this year. I think that's the exact right approach. You go with the hot hand or you go with the goalie on the, any given night that you think is going to give you the better chance to win because you're not sitting here going, 
oh, we just need to get this guy going or we need to get that guy going. The fact of the matter is the Calgary Flames from here on out, and this started back in November, December, maybe even with the rough start the Calgary Flames got off to, but you're in an absolute chase for one of those wild card spots. So, yes, you go to your de facto NHL goalie when the two are dressed, and that's Vladar. But if he stumbles at all, Wolf's going right in for me. And if Wolf is giving you quality start after quality start after quality start, no hesitations to run him for a stretch of games, depending on how long Jacob Markstrom's out, of course. Um, you know, it, it is it is interesting. So, you know, a text comes in, says, uh, kind of chirping you for calling Jacob Markstrom a top five goalie, yeah. and your retort on the text line was dig into the different advanced goalie metrics. Well, let me go take, uh, give, you, give you one of the uh, more recent advanced goalie metrics. Now, again, this is different. Um, and this is uh, th- this is just one outlet's opinion, but a lot. I mean, we talked to Kevin Woodley a couple of weeks yes. ago. He was on Woodley board, so. was trumpeting him as a Vesna candidate he was. at that point in the season. Well, and and so is uh, so here's Jay Fresh over at Jay Fresh yep. Hockey. He's uh, so good at making those uh, those player cards. Uh, for him, uh, halfway through the season, he's got Markstrom sixth in the Vesna Trophy conversation behind Hellebuck, Demko, and Swayman, uh, Ingram, and Hill. So, and funny enough. It's going to be Ingram against Vladar yep. uh, in this game on Tuesday night. But Markstrom, number six on the Vezda Trophy. He also has Markstrom at number one in goal well, save. Well, that's, that's where Go I ahead. was going next. So, And this is the other part uh, because then a text came in talking about Vladar and where he's at. Yes, uh, the expected goals saved Jacob Markstrom is number one by Jay Fresh's metrics and by a lot of other metrics he's near the top as well but by Jay Fresh he has more than 18 goals saved above expected think about that 18 goals that's like that that could be the difference. That's somewhere between. Well, he's had twenty six starts, so he's going above and beyond in seventy five percent of his starts. That's somewhere between. Like you could equate that to like I don't know nine wins. Yeah. Uh, that Jacob Markstrom has has directly contributed to with the way he's played. So eighteen goals above expected ahead of Ingram, Demko, Hellebuck, and even Linus Allmark. And then uh, Dan Vladar is in the uh, bottom three, six, uh, bottom ten of he's at a minus eight in terms of yeah. goals below expected, which is not good. Uh, however, I do feel like Vladar's game has improved the Chicago game, maybe notwithstanding. But I, I have felt like Vladar's game has maybe normalized a little bit and he's been uh his his level has gotten to a different one and a better one over the last couple of months and maybe what we saw through October and November well that is sort of interesting too because I feel with the eye test and we had this sort of discussion with Markstrom over the course of the first couple of months of the season where he was still floating around that 900 save percentage mark maybe even just a little south of it and it's like oh the eye test isn't really lining up with the boring goalie metrics and the goalie statistics and to a degree I feel the same way with Vladar um, to a lesser extent because he's 2-3-1 and one since that fractured finger for Markstrom so there's a body of work in there that uh, when Markstrom was out Vladar was the guy and during that stretch he had a 3-7-2 goals against and an 8-83 save percentage and that kind of surprised me because he had to me had turned the corner a little bit but those metrics certainly aren't giving him his due or his credit just based on sort of what I've seen. He's been just kind of like Markstrom to a degree in my mind. He's been a lot quieter in his crease. He's been a lot more compact and efficient in his movements. 
But again, you kind of look at the numbers and you had the goals saved above expected or above average there, and those aren't flattering. And to be honest, his goals against average and save percentage hasn't yeah. quite been there as well. A few more texts at 960-960. Before we hit the roundtable, we'll talk a little bit more about Vladar with uh, Wilsey on the roundtable. Um, this says uh, Wolf is too good for the AHL. He has nothing left to prove. Trade Markstrom. He's 34 in a couple of weeks, and his value on the trade market won't be higher than it is now. You'll get a haul, and Wolf can get NHL time. Um, this says, will Wolf need to clear waivers next year because of the games played this year? Regardless, he'll have to clear waivers next year. He yes. does become waiver eligible just based on, on pro experience. He will have to clear waivers next year, which is why that's your final deadline. You know, that he can't be anywhere but the NHL next year because they can't send him to the American League uh, next year. So, no, Team 32 yeah. is grabbing him on waivers the second 100%. that happens. Uh, this says Markstrom has absolutely been a top goalie this year. Is the single reason they have unfortunately given themselves a chance to lose in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> if Markstrom was Ottawa's or Columbus's goalie, they'd be swapping spots. Uh, this says the reality is 90% of the best goalies in the league really only hit their prime in their mid-20s. Do we want Wolf rushed and have his development impacted like Carter Hart. Uh, fine goalie, but not living up to expectations because he was pushed to being a starter too young. I, I do think Carter Hart has turned himself into a pretty good goalie. He's having a pretty good year in Philadelphia this year, but I do understand the point being made there. Uh, Pat and Vickers underway this hour on Flames Talk. We're here at the Hot Stove Lounge at the Scotiabank Saddledome, and of course, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Uh, hey, skating is great especially when shared with friends. It's even greater when it helps the homeless. So sharpen your blades, gather your gang, and please sign up for the first ever Great Skate Fundraiser in support of In From The Cold, hosted at Canada's greatest skating rink, the Olympic Oval in Calgary. The Great Skate is a fun eight-hour team relay that's open to everyone 12 years of age and up. Be great, too, simply by skating to help others this January 28th. For more information or to register, go to thegreatskate.ca. Now, one more time, thegreatskate.ca. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's been a while since we've done an in-person Daily Flames roundtable because even last week... Wilsey went home for the Ottawa game. So it's been a long time since we've done one here at the Dome. Uh, it is time for your Tuesday Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Save thousands on the 2023 GLB 250, GLC 300 Coupe, C300, or the GLC 300, zero down and a 2% loyalty lease rate reduction. Derek Wills, Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg with you on your Daily Flames Roundtable. Gents, uh, we know Jacob Markstrom day-to-day, low body injury going to keep him out at least for this game and and probably decent chance keeps him out for Thursday's game against Toronto but we'll see um, it will be Dan Vladar getting the start in net his 14th start of the season which would have him on pace for in the 27 28 range when it's all said and done um how have we felt about Vladar's overall body of work as he gets set to start for a 14th time this season well, first of all, not the best timing for this injury for Jacob Markstrom of the yeah. Flames because he's playing, I think, at the same level he was playing at two seasons ago when he was the runner-up for the Vezina Trophy. You look at his splits and what he's done since the start of December, 
a 2.12 goals against average, and a 9.31 save percentage. Mm -hmm. He has been outstanding. So you hate to lose him, but at least you've got Dustin Wolf waiting in the wings uh, at the AHL level, and you've got a fairly experienced number two goaltender in Dan Vladar, who hasn't had a great year. To be honest, I mean, you take a look at the counting numbers, uh, 3.46 goals against average and an 8.93 save percentage, not great. He has given up two or fewer goals in only three of the 13 games he's played in, not great. What's not bad is the fact that he is one game above 500 in the win-loss column in his 13 games played this season. So he's had some run support or goal support, but you know, the Flames are going to need him to buckle down, tighten up uh, between now and whenever Jacob Markstrom comes back. I do wonder if they're just giving him a couple of days here. You've got two huge games coming up later this week. You've got the Maple Leafs coming into town for a, a non-conference game, and then the Oilers coming into town for... Uh, the biggest game so far this season, uh, the first Battle of Alberta since the Heritage Classic. So hoping that uh, Jacob's back for one or both of those games. But in the meantime, it's uh, Dan's net unless he doesn't play well and, and gives it up. And then Dustin probably gets an opportunity. But he, I, I don't think I can try to spin the numbers uh, in all that positive direction mm-hmm. other than he's won more games that he's lost. It's funny because I kind of look to the spot where Jacob Markstrom fractured his finger in practice in early December, and Vladar and Wolf kind of went back and forth a little bit, and who was going to hold the net? And Vladar was two, three, and one, or is, pardon me, two, three, and one since that fractured finger from Markstrom, with a three, seven, two goals against and an eight, eighty-three save percentage, and. The numbers to me don't fully reflect what I was kind of seeing in Dan Vladar. But at the same time, it's not a drastic contrast between, oh, he, I don't know how he's not at a 2.2 goals against or a 930 save percentage. Like the swing hasn't been that dramatic. And it's funny, Wilsey, when you ran through his season numbers of 3.42 goals against an 883, those are essentially where he was before. So it's not as if he's been propped up or dropped by a certain stretch. At the end of the day, you're right. The Flames need more from him, particularly if Jacob Markstrom's going to be out one game, two games, five games, whatever it is. And, of course, we're leaning on the, the short end of that. But with it, I understand the clamoring for Dustin Wolf even more. If you had a J, uh, Dan Vladar that was at a 9.15 save percentage, I think there'd be a little bit more of a... Even okay, 900. We, even 900, fair enough. You can go, all right, I understand why they're going with Vladar and... Wolf's numbers, albeit a smaller sample size, trump that of Vladar. But at the same time, Vladar's the more experienced guy. He's the number two on the depth chart right now. But I do feel like the leash is getting shorter and shorter with Vladar in terms of the depth chart. But again, he does have the experience. And if you're looking for a one-off, I think that's the route that you're going to go at this point if you're the Calgary Flames. So I actually have have felt prior to the Chicago game where I thought he really struggled that was his last start was the the loss in Chicago last Sunday prior to that I thought he had actually been trending in a much better direction I I had felt like the early the first couple of months I was not um not in love with the way he'd played take a look at some of the save percentages in in just game by game to start the year 889 800 850 889 903 875 you're like okay this is not trending very well but um, he, he came in in relief 
um, against Vegas that night, the night that Jacob Markstrom was sick, and he came in and played that night. Yes. And and ever since then, I felt like it's been a little bit better. And and so December and into January, I felt much better about the way he's played. I liked him in Nashville for that win. I liked him against Tampa Bay that afternoon game he started. Uh, I liked him for that uh, that the the shootout loss they had in Minnesota. So it felt like maybe his game had started to move in a better direction. And then I, I thought he really struggled against the Hawks. The whole team did, but I thought Dan did as well in the last loss they had. So if that is just an aberration and that's just a, a little hiccup, then that's good news because I like the trend he was moving in, but he's going to have to show us that that was a trend. So we'll see. I, I had been feeling better about his game prior to the Hawks loss, though. Yeah, I mean, in his five regulation losses this year, gave up six versus the Red Wings. Not great. Three against the Avalanche. I think you can live with that. Gave him a chance to win that game. Uh, six against the Avalanche next time around. Um, I'm missing one here. Minnesota. Three against Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. and then four against the Blackhawks, which yeah. not good enough. So uh, we, we've seen in the past that he can play at a higher level. I'm not saying that he's been bad, but I think they need him to be better because right now the gap between Jacob Markstrom and Dan Vladar is is pretty large in my opinion. Yep. Pat, you suggested or, or it said that uh, from the eye test, you thought he was trending in the right direction. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago when we were talking to Kevin Woodley about Jacob Markstrom and his season, he casually slipped in that Dan Vladar's metrics had been improving as well. The issue for me is it's been a wild swing from game to game in terms of what are you going to get from right. Dan Vladar. He's gone from an 875 save percentage up to a 964, down to an 813, slightly up to 842, then jumps to 938, has that three-game stretch where he's above 900, and then that Blackhawks game again where he allows four goals on 20 shots, not ideal. It's the inconsistency, I think, that's been the thing that's marred him the most. And tonight will be a tough test for him. I mean, he's not going head-to-head against the guy at the other end who's going to be Connor Ingram, right? but... I quite often think when you've got two fairly evenly matched teams, whoever gets the better goaltending, that that team's likely to win the hockey game. Connor Ingram's coming off his league-leading fifth shutout of the season. And he looked a lot better than Carl Vemelka uh, when he took over, uh, what, 15 minutes or so into the first period when these two teams met last Thursday. Yep. So uh, you assume that Ingram's going to be good at one end, Vladar is good at the other end, then I like the Flames' chances against the Coyotes tonight. Daily Flames Roundtable, uh, Derek Wills, Aaron Vickers, and Pat Steinberg on this Tuesday. We're here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Uh, Jen says the Flames are now into the second half of the season. Tuesday's game against Arizona will be their 44th game of the year. Uh, they sit smack dab in the middle of the the wild card race or the bottom of the Western Conference playoff race. So they're right there with a number of other teams. It's, uh, it's St. Louis, it's Arizona, it's uh, Seattle, it's Edmonton and uh, it's Nashville. These are the teams that they're fighting with and it it feels like it's going to be an absolute slugfest until the very end. I'll ask the other side of this on on Wednesday's Wednesday's roundtable but for today what's the number one thing that gives you confidence the Flames will stay in this playoff fight? What's the thing that you're seeing now that the second half of the season's underway that, that gives you the uh, idea that where they are right now is, is probably the area they're going to stay? Well, it's pretty impressive that with a win tonight and some help on the out-of-town scoreboard, they can actually be tied for a playoff spot 
when all is said and done. They're two points behind the Oilers and the Kraken, and uh, that doesn't factor in games in hand and whatnot. But considering this team was seven points out not that long ago and then started 2024 with a stretch of seven games, six of them on the road, and they traveled over 11,000 kilometers to and from those games and still found a way to go five and two, and that's despite the fact that they lost the easiest game on the schedule during that stretch, and that was against the Blackhawks in Chicago, minus Bedard and eight other guys. Uh, pretty darn impressive. So what they've been doing is what they have to continue to do, in my opinion. So Jacob Markstrom has been playing at an elite level, uh, assuming he's not going to be out long-term, and based on everything we've heard, he won't be. Uh, I would be surprised if he wasn't back by next week at the latest. Uh, they're getting great goaltending, which has given them a chance to win every game. Their defense has been pretty good all year, and Oliver Shillington inching potentially closer to a return would bolster that group for sure, but their top four has been excellent. And up front, I think the biggest change for me, fellas, is that this was a one- or two-line team for most of the yes. season, and now they're a three-line team. Ever since Ryan Huska swapped... Jonathan Huberto and Andrew Mangiapane. This has been a three-line team because Kadri and the kids have continued to play well. And now you've got the Lintome, Huberto, Sharon Govich line playing at a high level. And you've also got Backlund and Coleman continuing to play at a high level. But now Mangiapane is going beside them. So this is the team I envisioned the Flames being. You've got no generational guys, but you've got balance and you've got depth. You can roll, in this case, three lines. they got to get that fourth line going. And I asked Ryan Huska about that earlier today. Uh, they need to develop some sort of identity uh, and, and at least set the table for the other three lines. But I like them on defense. I love them in goal with Markstrom healthy. So for me, guys, it's just keep doing what you've been doing. I'm going to piggyback off yours, Wilsey, just a little bit because I'm just going to reinforce, reinforce your point a little bit more. And this expands longer than the swap of Mangiapane and Huberto, but there's definitely a correlation there. The Flames have 10 players with at least 8 points in the past 13 games. Now, if you're just at 8-13, and 13, that's a 51-point pace over an 82-game schedule. Included in that list is everybody on the backland line. Included on that list is everybody on the Lindholm line. And then you tack in Kadri as well. And if you drop that to 7-13, and 13, which bumps it down to like 46-ish points, Connor Zeri gets added to the list too. So suddenly eight of your top nine forwards have at least seven points or playing at over a half point per game pace over the course of the last 13 games. It just speaks to your point about they finally have some offensive depth. They've had the goaltending for most of, if not all the season. We know how strong they've been on the blue line. And now suddenly you've got three lines that can contend in the offensive zone to be a scoring threat. The other thing I'd layer in there is the fact that they're just scoring first more. We talked all season. It felt like... Yeah. October, November, and parts of December was they're finding a way to win when falling behind. Well, now they've scored first in eight of the past 13 games. That's a 62% rate. They only scored first in 12 of the first 30 games. That's 40%. So they're scoring first 22% more of the time. Just so much easier to win in this league if you're scoring first. There's only three teams in the NHL that have a points percentage below 522 when scoring first this season. San Jose Sharks, Columbus Blue Jackets, Chicago Blackhawks, 522 and South. Those are the only teams that just can't seem to win when scoring first. Everybody else, the other 29, are winning at or 
gathering points at a 522 or more percentage. That's a dramatic swing. You need to score first in this league. Um, for me, it, it just comes down to you – know, I, I, I don't mind the fact that they're – well, I think it's good that they're playing with more balance and that we're seeing them look like a, a deeper team. But, I mean, the way Markstrom is playing – I, I think that I, when when you when you factor in when you take a look at that number that we threw out earlier from and I don't know Jacob is is banged up right now and is is day to day but when you when you factor in 18 expected goals above um, like that above expected that tells you where the Flames would be without Jacob Markstrom. And it goes back to the conversation we had last week about MVP and, and who would be their first half MVP. Well, it's it's, it's tough not to have Jacob Markstrom as, as your number one or in, in your finalist group. Jacob is uh, Jacob has 13 wins right now. And I wonder, you know, I wonder what this record might look like um, if, if, he hasn't played the way that he to the the level that he's played right now. Now, not not all of those expected goals have come in losses. There's or or in wins. Like it's it's across the board. But you can factor in expected goals and 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 having 18 above number one in the and that's NHL. In, sorry to interrupt. That's in 26 games only. So you're looking at like a .75 goals per game yeah. less when he's in the net per per J Fresh. This is just one person's. Uh, analytics but still ones that are very trusted and 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 ones that I, I think absolutely are valid like that just shows you that you know this team at two games above 500 if Jacob is not playing at the level he's at if he's just kind of league average in terms of a lot of a lot of things this team is probably two three games below 500 as it stands right now if you factor everything in so the way Jacob is playing I know they might trade out players and they might uh, bring back packages that don't help the team as much as the player that's moving out but the way Jacob has played all year the way that he's played since December uh, this this is a guy that I think can hold any team in a playoff race so and that's and that's not discounting the things that you guys said because they're also valid but the number one thing that gives me confidence that this group can stay in it is Jacob Markstrom because he's a goalie that to uh, a texter's point earlier I think he could be elevating a lot of teams in this league to being competitive and so I think regardless of the roster the Flames are going to keep rolling out here I think Jacob is going to give him lots of opportunities to win yeah it's hard to argue that but uh, for me, numbers two and three on that list would be Jonathan Huberto and Andrew Majapani because the Flames offensively have started to take some pressure off of their goaltenders, specifically Jacob Markstrom. It doesn't feel like they have to be perfect in order for the Flames to have a chance to win. And earlier this season, guys, it kind of felt that way in a lot of nights. Like th they couldn't give up a bad goal or even an iffy goal uh, to have a chance to win the hockey game. But ever since Ryan Huska swapped Jonathan Huberto and Andrew Mangiapane, and I said this prior to those guys switching places and prior to those guys finding some offense again, I said this team can't be competitive with two of their top three paid forwards not producing. Jonathan Huberto can't go 12 games without a point or 18 games without a goal. Andrew Mangiapane can't go eight games without a goal or score one goal in 18 games. Mm -hmm. It, it, it can't yeah. happen. This team doesn't have one or two guys who can put the team on their back and, and carry them to wins like some other teams do. So the fact that those two guys have 
swap spots and have been productive players and that they've got three lines going and scoring right now. They're tougher to defend. It's given the goaltenders a little bit of breathing room. They don't feel like they have to keep the puck out of the net. Uh, they don't feel like if they give up more than two goals, this team can't win. The Flames can give up three and can still win. Uh, for me, that's kind of the magic number. So I just think they're playing better as a group right now. They've been trending in the right direction, I would say, since the start of November, especially since the start of December. They just got to keep it going. This is a team that has not won four straight games this year. They've won three in a row three times. They got over the hurdle of not being able to get above 500. Now they have to get over the hurdle of not being able to win more than three in a row. So they can do that tonight, and we'll see if they do against a Coyotes team that they're 8-0-1 against in their last nine. Pat, I'm not going to necessarily disagree with you on the Markstrom front. I just think that he's been so automatic that I glazed over him, to be honest, because he's set and forget at this yeah. point. We talk about certain players on this team like that, where whether it's Michael Backlund, Blake Coleman, Chris Tanev, Jacob Markstrom's on-ice performance has just been that good. Yep. And that's why, you know, I know he's out here probably for the next couple of games, but... Uh, the fact that we're not talking about a major injury again, uh, that's the most important part when it comes to uh, one of Calgary's very best players all season long. He's Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That's our Daily Flames Roundtable to wrap up the hour. Thanks to Cam and Shan back downtown as our producers in the Daily Flames Roundtables brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Mercedes invented airbags and automatic braking systems. Makes sense. They came up with the unparalleled EQ lineup. 0% lease rate on select 2023 models. See in-store for more details.